You know, our father was telling this to our brother, Pastor Nick, that when I was a kid, I was raised in a church, and we were a, a community church. Actually, we met in somebody's home, and a home fellowship. And, and, and the home fellowship is, is all the people that used to go to church that are sort of rebellious, you know. And uh, we know that Samuel says rebellion is uh, close to witchcraft. And just think about it. Your roots are from Protestants, which means protesting. You are from a revolution. You're, you're the people that revolted. And, uh, but anyway, uh, this, this particular home fellowship became a, a community church. And, and then one day the pastor walked in and said, guess what? We're Assembly of God. And we go, wow, what's that? <laughs> and so we began to see things that were a little different. But the Spirit of God is so strong that the pastor back in the 50s, he might have had one or two epiphanies or revelations from God. And that's where God was at the time. And that was revolutionary. I, I remember my parents were sitting at the table. And my mom looked at my dad or vice versa. And they said, wow, Jesus is God? And it was like light bulbs going up. Boom. And that's the epiphany that my folks had. And now Pastor Nick and I were saying, we have epiphanies like every week. If we're not, well, you, you, know, you know when he doesn't. When the sermons are lousy, it's because he didn't have an epiphany that week. And so, but when the sermons are full of life and, and excitement, it's because God has revealed something so deep. And I believe that th these days, these are my last days. I don't know if they're your last days. But I'm old, and uh, so these are my last days. But in my last days, I've had a stroke, and I've had a tremendous amount of visions and dreams and uh, epiphanies. And it's really been exciting to know that the importance, the importance of the kingdom of God is at hand, is something we as believers really get behind. Because the enemy is coming to rob Kill and destroy what? Our kids. This next generation. Our fire. He wants to keep us lukewarm. He wants to keep us from having authority. Authority. What, what's your name, both of you women? Tish. Tish? Elaine? Would you stand up, please? And just keep standing for about 20 minutes. And so, <laughs> what God is doing today is he's putting these two women together. Now this woman has the Holy Spirit and she's, would you move her over please? She's all by herself. And she has left the church and she didn't have any authority and she prays and she asks God, oh please help my, you know, for my kids and all that. And her kids are rebellious and, and all this stuff. But she meets Elaine, right? She meets Elaine. And Elaine says, come to my fellowship. Because at my fellowship, we believe in the power of two or three together. So right now, she has a stick of, well, let's call it a firecracker. And you have a firecracker. So when you come together, when two or three are together, go ahead, go ahead. Don't touch it. 
When two or three are together in the midst of them, and I want to talk about this as a mystery, there is a real power. There is a real anointing. Now, over here, come back over here. By herself, this is Peter, a man of God, but he has no power until he gets John, and they go together to the Cape Beautiful, and they say, we've got the power of Messiah because, now you can hold hands, because we have two sticks of firecrackers. Kapow! Now, if we can begin to see these little firecrackers and we begin to have that kind of faith, what God is going to do is this isn't going to be firecrackers. This will be dynamite. So, pow! So when you get five, or whatever it's called, pow! It's dynamite. It's not, you know, the world saying kaboom. It's like, wow, it's the power of God. You can see it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, so, Look at this guy, mild-mannered guy, but man, he's got the power of God. When we're together, we're on fire. When I'm over here, I'm just me. When I'm with him, the power of God is with us. When we begin to realize the power of unity, the power of community, the power of, you know, I, I love this church because the, where's that that weird guy that keeps dancing all the time. Paul, where's Paul? Oh, well. Oh, there he is. You know, Paul's weird. You know, the Bi- I'm not insulting that. That's, the Bible says we're weird. It's called segula. It's called peculiar. And the Hebrew word is segula. So, Paul, where did you go? Oh, what are you doing sitting down? Segula means, raise your hand, he is so powerful, he is God's secret treasure. Okay, it's a secret, don't tell anybody. But that secret is the power of God. And when he comes around you, get up and dance with him. Because he's got the power. And, and every time, would you turn around please? Turn around, face the wall, just turn around. Do you know what God said that he would do to Paul's life? that signs and wonders would follow him all the days of his life. And here we are. We're, we're behind him. So praise God. We're signs and wonders, and we're following a man of God. So praise God. Thank you, Paul. Amen. So this church has a lot of diversity. You know, it's, it's sad when you go to a church and everybody's all the same color and the same, you know, they all wear the same suits and the same ties. They all look the same. And then you come here and you're like, golly, where did you guys come from? So the melting pot is what God is going to do. It's called the nations. And the nations are going to rise up because they're, they're the lost sheep. And the nations are going to reveal God's glory. And I tell you right now, when, when the Bible says Israel will be jealous of, of you, it's not because you've got three gods. It's not because you've got the Trinity. It's because you've got the Torah and the Spirit, which they don't have, and they wonder why. You go to Israel and you say, we keep the Torah, we're Torah observant, and they say, why? Because we get to. Praise God, we don't have to. We get to. Hallelujah. And because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and God wrote the Word, God wrote the Torah, God wrote the commandments, and God doesn't change. So where did it all change? Well, it changed throughout history. 1,700 years ago, Constantine said, you can have Sunday off. 
And we said, well, we're Sabbath keepers. He said, I don't care. You have to work Saturday. And so things began to change. And uh, now God is restoring Acts 3.41. He's going to stick in the Aranos, the heavens, which means elevated. It doesn't mean pie in the sky. Yeshua is right there in these, in these, right above us in the cloud of witnesses, and he's going to stay there until, until you restore all things. You restore all things. Not some angels, not God. God's going to use the power of God on this earth. Amen. The power of God on this earth is going to restore God's authority, going to restore the, the revelation of, of God's authority on this earth because God is revealing, revealing, what do you think I am? I was once dead. I had colon cancer. I had eight surgeries. I had heart surgery. I had knee, shoulder replacement, uh, hip, hip replacement. And, and then on top of it, I have a stroke. And I'm laying there in the hospital in Oceanside, California. And uh, I lost three, three days somewhere. And my, uh, my wife finally, you know, I finally recognized my wife and, and I can't talk. I can't walk. My whole right side is dead. This thing, you know, they put me in a wheelchair and this thing, this hand, they have to strap it to the wheelchair. And it's like, you wouldn't know it, but I used to be an athlete. I was athlete of the year. I won racquetball tournaments. I, uh, in high school, I was the meanest kid on the team because I was so small, I had to prove myself. So the bigger they were, the harder I hit them. And, and I grew up being proud of the fact that I was a really good athlete. And I didn't know I was short until I went off for basketball. So, uh, <laughs> but anyway, God's doing something today. And, and here's, here's one of the mysteries right there. Would you read this with me? Revelation 21.3, saying, Behold, the tabernacle of Elohim is within men, and he will dwell with them. First uh, Corinthians, don't you know? Look at somebody say, don't you know? You are the temple of the living God, and the Spirit of Yahweh dwells in Jews. I mean, dwells in you. Don't you know? Okay. You know, we know that. It's called head knowledge. When you know that by spirit, your spirit becomes alive. Don't you know? Don't you know? Don't you know? That spirit of the living God is what the, the entire Torah is about. The entire Tanakh. The New Testament, or Brit Hadashah. It's about the fact that we can have head knowledge of Messiah, but unless we know it. Now, the reason I, I wanted to, to say a few things up there is because our, our fellowship does the feast days, like Sukkot. We have um, five acres in the back, and we have 40, 50 tents back there, and four or five motorhomes, and we camp out for a week. And uh, we believe in, in, in Sukkot. Sukkot is the Feast of Tabernacles. And God says, I will dwell with you for eight days, and I'll, I will be with you, and I will be in you. And so we take it literally. So we go, well, God, we're going to camp out here. You better be here. And so he is. And uh, we do a great Passover, and we do Sukkot, and we do Shavuot. And uh, what God is, is showing us is that at Sukkot, God dwells with you, and Sukkot is over, and so we go home, and God goes home. 
And that's what we need, need to realize is Sukkot is a feast forever because God doesn't go home. And, and we're, we're like, well, I'm going home, God. And he goes, well, I'm going to follow you. Well, no, we, we come to Sukkot here. You stay here. And so we go home, and we're doing the dishes, and all of a sudden we go, what's that? What's that? God, what are you doing? I said I would be with you all the days of your life. And when we realize that power, that authority, God is with us. God is really with us. That's why he says, know no man after the flesh. So, so I know Tom after the flesh. Tom's a really good guy. We stay at his house. We eat his food. We, uh, we, we go out and eat his candy bars. And, and whatever, what, whatever I can find at night when he's in bed, I look in the refrigerator and go, ooh. The big sign says, save this candy bar. Because oh, we're going to take it anyway. So. But God says, for me, not to know Tom after the flesh, to know him after the spirit. And so I want to see Messiah. I want to see Messiah in each other. I want to, you know, I look at Tim and say, like, mild-mannered guy, he's got his beard all trimmed up since I saw him last. It's been a couple of years since we've been here, almost two, almost two years. And uh, God says, know him after the Spirit. So that when we're together, we're not two angry people knowing all about his background and he knows all about mine. We're two men of God. And when two men of God are together, they've got authority. They've got power. When two are together in the midst of them, there is power and authority. Okay, look at the church today. Look at our prayers. Where's the authority of God? You know, Deuteronomy, I mean, Proverbs 28.9 says that, that if you turn an ear from the Torah, even your prayers are an abomination to God. Well, I, I sent out an email not too long ago to our fellowship, and I said, Keeping Torah is not keeping kosher and the feast days. It's having a heart for God. It's being transformed. It's having a broken and contrite heart. It's being led by the Spirit. And when we get that, I want to see those kind of people come and pray for me. And I believe that those are the people that, that really need to realize their prayers are going to get past the drywall. Because if they're not, it's probably because you're not walking in Torah. So praise God. I know I've got a lot in here. We better hurry up and go through it. And so here's a picture of uh, three little Hebrew boys. There's just three up there. Don't forget that. If you see four men, you're seeing things. So let's uh, go through this. Let me, let me give you a few stories. I'm going to just make these quick. There was, uh, there was three Hebrew boys, Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle, and Zariah. And we know them as, as Belteshazzar, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And uh, they understood that they were succoting with God. And all of a sudden, they're told if they don't bow down, they're going to be thrown into this, this huge fire. The fire was so strong, even the guards burned up and died. But the fact is, they're three men of God and they're about to be thrown into this pit. And where's God? Where's God? And they're like, God is not with us. God, we're going to go into this pit, but, but where's God? And they're thrown into the pit, and they realize that God is the God of the last minute. Not only was he inside of them, he was right there with them. Even, even Nebuchadnezzar saw the presence of the son of Elo, Elah. 
Look, I see four men walking in the midst of the fire, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Elah, Chaldean for, for God. So you learned a little bit of Chaldean. Anyway, were they in the feast of Sukkot? No, but God was with them. Amen. Whether it was a feast, whether, you know, we, we go to this feast and we expect God, but God is with us all the time. And so, so Pastor Russell put together all sorts of good pictures, and here's one. Here's a man standing in front of the lions, and where's God? God is closing their mouths. God is with them. And I want you to realize God is with you. No matter what you do, if you're going into the pit or your fire or you're going into the lion's den, you have the presence and the faith, don't you? You have the faith that God is right there with you. God is right there with you. We, my wife and I have been to some places, and, and it's amazing how, how our church is, is sort of uh, summarizes as you are in the Goshen bubble. And there's something I taught here a few years ago. And the Goshen bubble is that power and that authority that the world is full of darkness, but in Goshen, woohoo, there's light. Is, is, is it because there's a supernatural light, or is it because the sun shines through, through the darkness? When you walk into public, or, or, or Winn-Dixie, or wherever you shop, I want you to stop at the door and say, darkness has to flee because I'm walking in this door. And when you say that to yourself, you're prophesying, but you're also beginning to realize the authority of God is with you. And we need to be reminded of that. So when you see each other, if you see somebody at Winn-Dixie or public, you say, wow, the light of the world. Jesus said, didn't he, that you are the light of the world? I've got a Catholic doctor that I told this story to, that you're the light of the world. I'm not putting you on a guilt trip. I don't, I'm not asking for your confession, you know, like, like Catholics do with guilt trips. But the fact is, he wasn't taught this. And he was in a race, a 100-mile race, at, at 11,000 feet up in Leadville. And he said five times. Isn't that interesting? Five times. What do we teach? <laughs> five books of the Bible the Torah, and five times he stopped and, and quit the race. And he said, five times I heard your voice. There's this little Jewish prophet, and he goes, you can do it. No, I didn't do that. He said, he said, what I heard was, you're the light of the world. You're the light of the world. And it inspired him to keep going. And so wherever you go, you can give life even if it's two Catholic doctors. So praise God. So, so Daniel sees this lion and he knows that God is with him. Praise God. The very presence of Yahweh was with Daniel. The Spirit dwells in Daniel. And we read the Torah, we read these stories, and we go, that's really cool. The Torah is not about old Israel. The Torah is alive. It's about you. When you take the Torah and you relate it, you just stepped out of the Messianic movement and you stepped into the presence of God. The Torah is about all of us. It's about overcoming. It's about gossip. It's about Lashon Ra. It's about all sorts of problems. And yet the curses of the Torah are there and we're free from that. I love the fact that at Sukkot there's 98 lambs that are supposed to be sacrificed. You know, every day. And there's 98 curses 
in Deuteronomy 28. And, and God showed me, he said, name a curse. Well, it says my children will be sold into slavery. And if you take that literally, literally, you live in America, so it doesn't apply. But yes, it does. You send your children to college, they get a degree, and they're sold to the highest bidder, and they move off to ten buck two. And what happened to your family? Right down the middle. I've got three daughters who are college graduates. I've got thirteen grandkids. That three or three of them are going to college. And well, one of them just took her, her ACT. She's going to graduate this year. She said to all of us, I'm announcing I'm going to New Zealand to go to college. And of course, we want to rise up and smack her. And so uh, we prayed about it. My wife and I fasted. And then she said, you know what? I think I'm going to go to Haiti for a week. I'm not going to New Zealand. Where did that come from? That's the spirit of God. That's the power of God because I claim of those 98 curses, there's 98 sacrifices of lambs, and that lamb is Messiah. Even that's the quote, even 3,500 years ago, the, that anointing of the lamb, the lamb was given for the, the, the lamb of God. And it's, it's amazing what, God's, what God is doing to people that believe in miracles. I believe that God's authority is real. And anyway, think of a, real quick, I want to teach you how to think outside the box. So for instance, if I say, think of, a, think of a precious little Siamese baby kitten, or a calico, or, or whatever, whatever is your favorite cat. Think of, think of one. Can you think of something? Okay, everybody got a kitty cat? Now, what's Messiah's favorite, favorite kitty cat? Little baby kitty cat. See, if we think like Messiah, we're going to realize his kitty cat isn't calico. It's not a little tabby. It's just a little kitty cat of Judah, which turns into a lion. But that's the mind of Messiah. And so when we all start thinking that way, we're all going to see the kingdom really start to get excited. Don't forget, God is spirit. In John 4, uh, 24, it says, God is spirit. And we must worship him in Torah. There's only one scripture in the Bible that tells you what truth is. In Psalms 119, 142, it says truth. The truth is Torah. Okay, so we know what the truth is. But don't forget the fact, Messianics, that we have something that has to go with it. It's called the Ruach. The Spirit, the Spirit of God. And don't separate God into three parties because God is Spirit. God is, by the way, is God holy? Amen. Well, maybe he could be the Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh, no, no, the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit. This is God. God, there's only one God. There isn't three gods. So in Acts 2, when the Holy Spirit came, did the Holy Spirit come? Did God come? Yes. Jesus come? Who, who came in Acts 2? D. All of the above. And that's what's so powerful is God is God. God is Yeshua. God is the Ruach, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. And God is one. And that's a mystery of God that you can't understand as a human, but as a Spirit of God that's in you, you can understand what God is doing. So Daniel 6, we see the same thing in the lion's den. But look at these believers, Ananias and Sapphira. They were believers. 
They came into God's presence in Acts 2. They were part of the, the 3,000 a day. They were tithers. They were big tithers. Let's say they got a million shekels for their house. And so they gave 900,000 to Peter. But they also lied in the presence of the Holy Spirit, in the presence of God. But they weren't bad people. They were just like us. They were good churchgoers. They were good. They were messianics. They were in the messianic movement. And, and what, ha, what we need to realize is that should scare us enough to be really transformed. Amen. Romans 3 talks about the church of Rome having all sorts of problems. And, and in verse 20, it says, it's because they have no fear of God before their eyes. The fear of God, we don't have because we're macho, right, right Jim? But when you realize the fear of God, I fear God about losing uh, my wife, my children, about losing my grandchildren to the enemy. You come to rob and kill and destroy. I don't want to see that. I don't want to see George Barnes' stats anymore in the church. The stat says 88% of your kids between the ages of 17 and 22 are going to leave. Somebody rebuke that. Because we're going to teach our children not Torah, but the spirit of Torah. When you realize Jesus didn't teach a new religion called Christianity, he taught the Torah. Everything, every parable he taught was out of the Torah. But he didn't teach it as little details, item after item, precept upon precept. He taught it as concepts, the sower and the seed, Tazria. The Good Samaritan, out of the Shema. These are concepts that we don't see in the Torah because we haven't opened our minds to have the mind of Messiah. Ananias and Sapphira, they weren't walking with that fear of Yahweh. Anyway, this is a bunch of people that are, uh, I don't remember what this is about. <laughs> But it's a bunch of people praising God. Praise God. Okay. Thank you, Mr. Pastor Russell. So, oh, here, here it is. His glory, shall. I have a typo there that I missed. His glory shall be revealed. His glory shall be revealed. Would somebody finish that sentence for me? Praise God. Thank you. By you, too. When you realize the fact like Wednesday night, I taught on the concept of the apostles, prophets, pastors, and teachers, and evangelists are not titles. They're job descriptions. For who? The bride. We've got this all upside down. It's you. It's you. You're the messenger. You're the prophet that repeats the words of God. You're the evangelist that shares the good news. You're the pastor that has a heart for God's people. For the sheep, you are also a witness. I mean, uh, the teacher is to bear witness. Don't you bear witness to Messiah? Heck yeah, you guys are the fivefold ministry. And that power, that anointing, really takes you to Isaiah 40, verse 5. And the glory, the hakavod, of Yahweh shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see its glory together. When we realize that's been taught to us, by the ancient church, and we put that as some glad morning when this life is over, that's going to happen. Let me just break all the rules. That isn't going to happen someday. It's happening right now. Because someday 
is in the future, and guess what? I will never leave, uh, live to see someday. But while it is still today, by the way, what day is it? Today. Today, today I'm going to reveal God's glory. Today, you are going to be challenged to reveal God's glory everywhere you go and everything you do. Somebody say, let it be. That's another word for amen. So be it. Romans 8.18. I don't think, this is for, for my sister Jane. This is for you. We don't think the sufferings we are going through now are even worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed. Praise God. Praise God. It takes a real tough person to have a stroke and to get up and to come to church. I mean, personally, I wouldn't mind being retired and just sit around Mexico and, you know, have a couple of tacos and and do nothing. But God says, nope. It's like, God, come on, give me a break. God says, when it's time to retire, you'll probably be dead. So I guess I'll, I'll just wait for God. But God's doing something. Look at that. That's being split. That's being severed and bisected by God. Okay, somebody say, let that tree be me. Okay, I'm glad you asked. Here we go. Matthew 8, 20. Where there are two or three together in my name, I'm in the midst. The word there in Greek is mesos. And it comes, if you, if you go back to the Greek to Hebrew dictionary, mesos comes from the Hebrew word tevek. What's tevek mean? It's, it's where God says, I'll dwell among them, I'll dwell in the midst of them. It's, it's, and those numbers happen to be the Hebrew, 84, uh, 32, or the Greek in G3319, if you're looking up the Strong's numbers. And it comes from, from, from an unused root word, to sever, to bisect, or in the center. And if God is going to bisect us, he's dwelling in. The reason he bisects you is so he can pull you apart and put something deep within you. What, what is he putting deep within you? His spirit, his life, his presence. Remember, the Holy Spirit is him. So he's putting a piece of himself. In Jeremiah, it says, that is my word like, like a fire? And it also says, like a hammer to a rock into, a mi- into many pieces. The pieces of the rock are now put into you. The presence of God is in you. It's what we're going to use in these days to begin to see God's authority on this earth and to reveal his glory. Amen. Imagine somebody slapped you. Okay. Now, you can be just like the world, and, 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 you know, we don't slap back. We punch. Or you can say, turn the other cheek, because that's God. I'm going to reveal God's glory. But you know what? No one's going to slap you, not in these days, of politically correct Democrats, fewer Republicans. But you're going to be offended. You're going to be hurt. You're going to be cheated. You're going to have problems. And it's the same as if you got smacked in the face. But since God really does live in you, you're going to begin to reveal his authority, his glory. And so 
This was, uh, I, I talked to Russell about, uh, Pastor Russell, about solid food. And this was his idea, seven-layer cake. So I'm all for it. I, I'm, if it's gluten-free, uh, I can partake. So Hebrews 5, 14. But solid food is for who? The mature. The mature. Should I go on? You sure? Okay. About 10 people said yes. So the rest of you can be dismissed. Ooh, it's tough. I figured out I'm short, but I'm tough. So solid food is for the mature whose carnal, carnal behavior, it's called senses, are trained. My carnal behavior wants 10 tacos and two pizzas instead of two tacos and a salad. My carnal behavior is carnal. But it says, train that to practice, and, and by practice, so practice makes what? Perfect. Perfect. Don't you love going to a surgeon, and we know that he's, he's going to cut you wide open, but he says, I'm just practicing? Oh, thanks a lot. Do I have confidence? No, because you're just practicing. Well, where else should we practice the power of God? Here. Before you go out there. You know, it's, it's bad enough you go out there and you say, I'm about to cut you open in surgery because I want to uh, vacuum. I want to cut you open and put something deep within you. So practice here. Practice prophesying. Practice loving. Practice forgiving. Pra you know, how many were here two years ago when I uh, taught, I guess, my last sermon on, on the Goshen bubble? Okay, look around. Okay, now the people with their hands up, do you know within one or two that you're sitting in the same seats you were two years ago? <laughs> Don't worry, Ruth. I'm not going to make you move. <laughs> She's all, oh, my gosh. I got chewed out last time I made a move. So <laughs> anyway, but it's okay. What, what God is trying to say is get ready for change. Get ready for change. And nobody likes change, and God knows it. You know why? Because you're carnal. We like things the same way. I mean, like, look at the husband. He comes home every night. He puts his shoes down here, grabs his slippers, kicks the dog, jumps in the chair. Where's the remote? What's for dinner? Well, it'll be about 20 minutes. You know I get home every night at this time. I want dinner now. And so, and so husband, guess what? I bought a new TV. It's in the bedroom. That remote doesn't work. Dinner won't be now. It's at, it's at 7 o'clock. And... I bought some new slippers, and you're not going to sit in that chair anymore. Well, what's next? Divorce? <laughs> because nobody likes that kind of change. But you know what? God's going God's to change us. God's going to take you out of your complacent bubble, and he's going to put you in the Goshen bubble. And it is amazing because we're in for a thrill, thrill ride. Remember the first time you, you went on a roller coaster? Okay. You really didn't know what was happening after that first death plunge. But the fact is, God has got a ride that's going to be a lot of fun. Oops, my leg is uh, gone. <laughs> so anyway, something solid. Don't worry about tomorrow. Solid food. Solid food. Something solid. Don't worry about tomorrow. How many, don't raise your hands, how many worry about tomorrow? Have fear about tomorrow. How many have been to conferences in which everything that we talk about is survival, getting ready, buy a gun, 
make sure you have food. Because when Islam comes to the door, excuse me, by golly, I'm ready. No, no, I was, I was grabbing my gun. <laughs> Stay out of there. <laughs> Don't touch my bench. Well, I tell you what, those that live by the gun are going to die by the gun. You might kill one or two Muslims, but the other 500 sitting in your back porch. What I'm getting at is my faith is in God. I don't worry about tomorrow. You know why? Because God told me not to. Didn't God say tomorrow has enough worries, difficulties already? Tomorrow will take care of itself. But we're so caught up in this religious stuff that we sometimes, even though our religion is called Messianic or Messiah, we sometimes forget about the words of Messiah. When I was a Christian, I was a follower of Paul. Now I'm Messianic. I'm a, I'm a Moses person. I had a big beard. I, I went off the deep end, man. I was in the Torah, and I was a Torah terrorist, man. And now, praise God. Praise God. I want to be a life-giving spirit. I'm not about keeping it in. I'm about getting rid of it. You know, when I was a Torah terrorist, I was a cistern. And I studied the Torah, and I got filled up, and I got filled up, and I never got filled up from the source. And now that I, I'm a life-giving spirit, I'm a well. Amen. And you know what's at the bottom of my well? Messiah. And Messiah keeps filling up the well. So you just give. Everywhere you go, you give. You just give. Paul says, there's a first, I mean, there's a first Adam, 1 Corinthians 15, 46. There's a first Adam. And that Adam died. And there's a last Adam. And we all know by what we've been taught, the last Adam is who? Okay, let me just destroy that myth. Yeshua is dead. Yeshua is dead. He is not the last Adam. Yeshua died. He was the parable of the seed. And the seed had to be broken. The seed had to be dried. The seed had to die and be put in the ground so they could come forth a million fold. That seed is Yeshua. That last Adam is not Yeshua. That last Adam is the seed that was planted. And guess who the last Adam is? Look at somebody and say, you're the last Adam. You're the last Adam, Pastor Nick, because that last Adam will be beco is becoming a life-giving spirit. Ooh, man, do you realize how powerful that is? Or if you don't like that, you can just say, well, that's Jesus. Hurry up, Jesus. You know, it's funny. The book of Revelation says the bride and the spirit, two witnesses. The bride is out in the world saying by the spirit, you can come. You can come. You can come, Tom. That illustration that was up there is, is those women were, you know, telling you to come. I was surprised nobody actually went up on the stage and came. I thought of it. If I could walk better, I probably would have been up there in, in Libby's lap. So I've known Libby a long time. So anyway, let's keep moving. Train your senses. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added. What will be added? Riches, glory? No, your senses. What else will be added? Your prayers. What else will be added? The covering of God. I want a covering over my church. I want a covering over my family. 
And the one thing that Pastor Nick and I have in common, other than being sisters, sister church, is the fact that we realize that in order to be good ministers or pastors, we have to put our family first, and the rest of the church is our family. I, I meet with pastors quite often, and one thing that comes up is, where are your kids? How's your kid? You know, how's that great guitar player that was at 19? Man, he was leading worship and all that. Well, he's out in the world. What do you mean? We have lost too many pastor's kids because they're too busy building their kingdom to their edifice, to their, to their name, instead of spending time raising their family in the ways of God. Because the Bible says, raise your children in the ways of the church and pray like holy walk and moly, they'll come back. And it doesn't say that, does it? Raise your children in the ways of the church and, and they will not depart. They will not depart. Pastor Nick's children are getting up there in age. And I, I want us us as a family to realize they will not depart. Amen. My grandchildren will not depart. Amen. Not just because I say it, it's because I believe in a covering. I believe that God's kingdom is added to me, that authority that I can believe that God will raise up my children. And so when they ask me, how can you be so weird that you have all your 13 grandkids in, in your church? It's because I believe that we don't teach our children about God, we put God inside of them. We teach them how to be transformed. Be ye transformed. It's what we need as adults. It's what our kids need. And this is what God is doing today. He's revealing these mysteries so that we walk in that authority. Where's our focus? This is the other problem. In maturity, we need to focus. What's his name? Rick, Rick's in here to tell us that the turkey dinner won't be ready in time, and he wants me to preach another two hours. And so, I didn't recognize Rick because he has a messianic beard. He looks like Moses. He used to be mild-mannered, clean-cut, and handsome, and now he's just Moses. So, okay, so praise God. Where's our focus? On the turkey. Look at our focus. Because we're believers and Christians, our focus has been on tomorrow. It's been on the world system, the world order, the second coming. You know, this is, this is where our focus has been. You, our belief system, our doctrine, it's been on controversy. Do you know that controversy is one of the sins in the Torah? Causing division. And do you know what? There are ministries that are so proud to be so rude that they're going to cause division. When we need to say, stop, stop causing division, stop dividing the body of Messiah, stop taking people out of the church and making them a mess or messianic. We need to, we need to bring together. The book of Revelation has a word called tribulation. Do you know that tribulation comes from the Greek word thalipsis? And thalipsis means press together. Peter had a church. No, Peter didn't. James did. James was a pastor. And who was in James's church? Peter, Luke, Bartholomew, Mark, John. And then along comes Paul. 
And Paul and Peter had a little row. row. But you know what? They loved each other and they worked it out. And instead of Paul leaving or Peter leaving and starting their own, they pressed together. That's what this church is all about. That's why you should change seats. You should sit over here, Nicholas, and sometimes you should sit over there. You should just love somebody different. You know, when this side of the church begins to love this side, this church is going to be on fire. And when this side loves that side, holy guacamole. And that's what God's going to do. He's going to start pressing this church together so that you can begin to to, to, uh, gather. Besides, if we're not gathering, what are we doing? If we're not gathering, if we're doing nothing, we're doing something. It's called scattering. How many have repented for scattering? Tough message. I guess Rick doesn't want me to go two more hours. A tough message means that we need to realize what God's really doing. God's really gathering a few people. It's called the remnant. And that remnant is going to gather. That remnant is going to be excited about giving life. That remnant is, a, is the last Adam. That remnant is going to be the authority of the presence of God on this earth. Peter and the boys, well, I, I met uh, Eddie the other day, so it's now Peter in the barrio. Boy, that, did, that went over real bad. So <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. Hey, Peter and, and, and Paul and everybody. Peter and the disciples. Okay, so Peter and the disciples, they were Messiah. They were the power and the authority when two or three are together. They were the same as Messiah on this earth. And guess what the latter rain is going to be? The latter rain could be you. Oh, well, thank you, Chuck, and thank you, Karen. And the rest of you, come on up. We're going to have an altar call. The latter rain is the power of Messiah on this earth, and it could be this fellowship. We should be shouting for joy. Come on. I said that again. Praise God. Division, fear, the election. How many would have just praised God if Hillary won? Why not? Doesn't the Bible say to? Yeah. You know what? Praise him in all things. Do you know what Hillary would have done if she was president? Everything that's not right. And you know what God said? Is praise her because I'll make it right. So now we have a man and things. We have a lot of hope on this man. But the fact is, my faith and my focus is not on the election. It's on the last thing there. Say it with me. I love the name Hamashiach because it really, it relates to Jews because they know who Hamashiach should be. And it's amazing. Man, I could get on a tangent here and just go for another hour on how to witness the Jews. But uh, this training of our senses is discernment and our senses are the flesh. The flesh needs to be in line with the spirit. And you can train yourself to do that. And so thank you very much. 30 minutes. Is that for the first CD or the second one? (laughs) We're still on the first one. Focus your thoughts on, this is maturity. Start to focus your thoughts. 
You know what I focus my spare time thoughts on? And I have a partner that sends me lives, uh, Jackie, Jackie Toledo. It's called Candy Crush. <laughs> true, true confessions. I spent hundreds of hours prone in a hospital, and guess what I did? I got up to level 800 on Candy Crush. <laughs> and so, so as I'm putting this sermon together, I'm under conviction. Focus your thoughts on Candy Crush. No, <laughs> on what is true. Think of something. What is true? What's true about the person next to you? They love the Lord. Yeshua HaMashiach. Okay, that's true about Tim. What is righteous? It's Tom. What's pure? It's Pastor Nick. What's lovable? It's not Pastor Nick. I mean, <laughs> it's my wife. What's admirable? Bethahila. On some virtue or something praiseworthy. This is what I focus on. This is what I think about. Well, I'm too busy worried about second coming. I'm too worried about the rapture. I'm too worried about the non-rapture. You know, the rapture's been around for about 60 years. And 60 years ago, it was going to happen any day. And we've got many elders in my church when I was a kid. We call them burnt stones. Because the rapture didn't happen, and they got disappointed, and they got discouraged. And where, where are the elders? They're at home. They're at home watching football games. You know what happens on Saturday? 20 college games. You know what happens on Sunday? Something else to take your focus. I used to be a high school track coach and football coach. And so I watched, and I'm from San Diego. I had season tickets to the Chargers back in the old Dan Faust days. And it was a lot of fun. And my focus was not on God. It was on sports. And God's really convicted me, just like he did Candy Crush. What will I do at night? Oh, maybe I can pray. No, I'll play Candy Crush. See, God is doing something amazing when he changes your focus. He's going to build your kingdom. He's going to begin praying for your spouse. Begin praying for your children. Begin praying for this church. Begin praying for the family of God. Begin to see God's authority in each other. Focus your minds on things of the kingdom, not on the things of this earth. What's of this earth? Everything that we mentioned. Colossians 3.2. Restraint, listening and not listening to gossip. Lashon Hara. We do this a lot. Did you hear about Brother Tim? No, what happened? Do you know that if you listen to it, you're in a bigger sin than the person that's spewing forth the gossip? Did something happen to Tim? Then let's just pray for Tim. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, I didn't tell you. Praise God. Thank you. And so we don't want to listen to Lashon Hara. We want to train our senses into maturity, right? Praise God. Okay, thank you. That was pretty weak. Anyway, there is God of yesterday. We sang about him today. Who was and who is to come? And forget the middle one. Yes, 
This is what I'm saying is we are caught up in the God of yesterday. It's called Torah. It's called Yeshiva. It's called Sunday school. And we're caught up in the God of tomorrow. It's called second coming. It's called the barren witness. It's called the misunderstandings of the book of Revelation. When we understand what God is saying, the book of Revelation starts out with this is a revelation of the future. No, it doesn't say the future. It says this is a revelation of Yeshua HaMashiach. Today, now, the God of who was, the God of who is to come, but he is the God of who is. Torah is to be applied to today, not yesterday. It's not about those Jews. It's about these grafted into Israel. Same lessons. There is a God of who is to come. And I know that God is going to come. And that what he's going to do is, is a lot different than what we've been taught. I know that much. And I won't tell you what I'm talking about because none of you would, would put up with it. Because we don't know. But did Messiah say? Forget Messiah. We want to talk about second coming. We want to be prepared. The Messianic movement is all about getting our, our, our Torah teachers to come and tell us about how to be prepared. But you know what? God says, don't be prepared. Why? Because I want to put my faith in God. Take not a thought for tomorrow. Well, we need to be prepared. No. We need to be on fire. I'm going to tell you right now, if you have your faith in the God of who is to come, I'm going to tell you this, and you will remember it someday, you will miss the God of who is to come if you don't know the God of who is. That's tough. That's tough. And you know what? Since I've, been, I've had my stroke, I want to be tough. I don't want us to mess around. I want us to begin to see the authority of God in the body of Messiah. Take down a thought. Focus on the God of who is. God of who was, the God of who is to come, but the God of who is while it is still when. And the Bible says, Hebrews 3.13, but encourage another one, another one, encourage one another daily. Would you turn and encourage somebody? Just make it a quick one. Be encouraged. Be comforted. Did you know encouraged is a Leviticus 3 commandment to give an offering of shalom? So what is it called? While it's still called today. You know what tomorrow is? Tomorrow's not tomorrow. You know what tomorrow is when you're in tomorrow? Today. So encourage somebody while it's today. Well, tomorrow I can talk about the second coming. Tomorrow will be today. So tomorrow I have to encourage somebody. Do you realize what God's saying is don't take a thought for tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow. Jeez, do I have enough wheat? Do I have enough water? Oh, my water's all full of algae. Oh, praise God. Don't worry about what to gather. Don't worry about tomorrow. Expect God to, to send FedEx to your door. And say, I got an extra package. I don't know where it goes. I think it's supposed to be here. Thank you very much. <laughs> Turkey dinner. This mystery of God, you've got to search to find Messiah. You've got to search to find the mysteries. So that's what Russell had. The mysteries, the revelation of the secret truth, which is the proclamation of Yeshua, the Messiah, kept hidden in silence for all these ages. The mystery is being so dedicated. Look at somebody and say, you're dedicated. Now look at somebody and say, you're devoted. Say, together we're submitted to having a broken and contrite life, but we're full of grace, 
kindness, love, and most of all, woohoo! Oh, that's a tough one. Because if you don't forgive, you will not be tough one. Tough one. Oh, Lord, you can look past that. You know, you don't know what they did to me. You don't know how much it hurt. And God says, hello, I've been there. My brothers and sisters put me up on a stake. This is what it means to be mature and on fire. And God's doing something. So here we go. Focus is serving him. Ephesians 3, 9, to make all, to make all see how this secret is administered. You're supposed to administer these secrets, which is served, which has been hidden as a mystery. The administration of God's secrets are going to be taken care of by you. In Elohim, who created all through Yeshua, the Messiah. This bride, the bride, is the representation of Messiah. Did I read that right? The bride is the misrepresentation of Messiah. I know I'm preaching long, but I'm going to try to hurry it up. And I know you're tired and you're hungry and you want turkey, but the fact is, we have been the misrepresentation of the authority of Messiah. But no longer. Somebody say, make me the representation. Make me, Father God. Ephesians 1.9, he has made known to us his secret plans. He has made known to you. Look at, look at what God said. Oh, 1 Corinthians 2.7, we are communicating a secret wisdom from God which has been hidden until now. Praise God. And so that, that's the keyhole. And he said to them, to you. So I'm saying to Betahila, to you. It has been given to know the secret of the reign of Elohim. Say, praise God, I want to walk by the Spirit. I want to know the secrets. But to those who are outside, those outside the camp, those that have left the, the covering of the body of Messiah, those who are bait, all are done in parables. Parables is what we have to the world and to the church. But to those disciples, we have the, the God's authority. And what, what did this, the disciples do right after this? They said, well, Jesus, we didn't understand the parable. Which is, which is funny because the, he was proving you still have to ask him, Lord, what does this mean? So say hit the mark. The mysteries or train your senses is to and you have the paper so you can take these with you. Add to your faith. Peter says, add to your faith, diligence, patience, kindness. Add to your faith. Because when you're busy adding God's authority to your faith, your focus is on God. Focus and think on these things. Philippians 4.8. Whatever is pure, whatever is noble, whatever is righteous, I will think on these things. Don't take a thought for manana. Because the manana will take care of itself. But my faith is what? Now, the bride is now in him. No thanks, I'm fine. I just need to get to this chair. Yeah, I do want to move. I, I really can't move. Okay. Yeah, I do want to sit down. Would you put this like under my buttocks? Oh, thank you very much. My buttocks, thanks you. Oh. You can just move it out of the way. Oh. Oh, that's fine. Anyway, thank you very much, Tom. 
Guess what? The bride is now in him. Say, the bride, that's me, is now. I want to serve the God of who is. Praise God. That's lightning studying the Bible. That's called an epiphany. I don't know where Russell found that, but that was awesome. This is for you, Pastor Nick. That looks like Pastor Nick when he had a beard. The epiphany of Pastor Nick. Whoops. The mystery, the mystery, the, look at somebody and say, wow, you are the mystery. Isn't that amazing? The transformed bride is the body of Messiah. And guess what? Look at somebody, prophesy this. You with somebody else or us together are the authority on this earth. Didn't God say he would give you dominion? What's dominion? It's authority. What's authority? It's God's authority. It's not what you want. It's what God wants, and you're going to make sure it happens. You're going to restore all things. Oh, wow, this is, this is so heavy. I'm excited. Messiah's prayer. I pray. I pray. I pray they can become one. Isn't that a joke? Messiah's a joke. He knew they wouldn't be one. How many, how many religions are there in the world under the name of Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus Christo, Jesus Christo, Yeshua HaMashiach? I mean, all, how many? 26,000 divisions of division. And guess what? Messiah said, don't worry. Don't worry. I pray they can be one. Because it will be on earth as it is in heaven. It will be on earth as it is in heaven. God says, I'm going to make you witnesses to Judea. I don't live in Judea. Well, then go outside of of Jerusalem and I'll send you to Samaria. No, ain't going to happen. Well, then I tell you what, I'll make you witnesses to the farthest pagan city I can find, and I'll make you witnesses in Brandon, in Tampa, in St. Pete. It's like, you would do that, Lord? He said, my seed died so that I could now be in the farthest, most places of the world. Today, well, it is still today. There's a bunch of sheep. Look at the scripture. Uh, We're almost done here. A mystery, but it's a job description. Do you know what a job description means? Here's a job, and God's going to describe how to do it. So don't look at it like, well, that's for Pastor Nick. I'm telling you, Pastor Nick is a shepherd. He doesn't beget sheep. And what happens to the sheep? The Bible says we've all been gathered into a sheep pen. It's called church. We've all been gathered, and we have heard the noises of men. How many have heard over 5,000 sermons your whole life? Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday service for 20 years. That's three times uh, 50. It's 150 times 20, blah, blah, blah. This is, this is what Micah tells us. I will assemble all of you, my lost sheep. 15 minutes left. Thank you, sir. I better hurry up because I I thought I had 20. So anyway, I will assemble all of you, Yaakov, meaning my lost sheep of Israel, and I will gather the remnant of Israel, the lost sheep of Judah, 
and I will put them together like sheep in a pen. Sunday after Sunday, like a herd in the pasture, it will hum with the sounds of people, the noises of men. Sermon after sermon, the one breaking through is, going to, is called the breaker. And the breaker went up before them, and he broke, broke through. He passed the gate, and he went out to follow the king. Well, let me tell you, the church says, that's Messiah. And I'm saying, no, it's not. That's you. You're the breaker because we're going out to the king. We're not serving the doctrines. We're not serving the system. We're not serving the church system. We're going to serve the king. He went out to follow the king. Messiah passed before them. Yeshua was at the head. It's called the call out ones. One of the reasons you're in this church is you were called out. You weren't called out to sit in purple seats and be good and to write a check. Oh, praise God, that was more than 10%. I'm really righteous. You were called to serve him. You were called to be his witness. You were called to be on fire. You were called to be the light of the world. You were called to be, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> excuse me twice. You were called to be the living water. When's the last time you spilled on somebody and got them all wet? I told the men on Wednesday night, you should slosh wherever you go. Whoosh, 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 slosh. Oh, I'm sorry, I got you wet, Tim. You hungry? You hungry? With, you, with the water? I got some bread of life, too. Oh, I'll turn the light down because I know I'm the light of the world. Praise God. Some, look at somebody and prophesy and say, I prophesy that you're the breaker. You're the breaker. You're going to do something. Oh, I'm just happy sitting in my purple pew. How long, how long have you had this church here? About three years? You know, some of you probably wrote your names on the bottom of the chairs. I'm telling you right now, those aren't your chairs. Because you're a breaker. Get up. Do something. Live a life for God. <coughs> Get your friends on fire. Well, my friends are happy being lukewarm. Get them on fire. Amen. El fuego. Incendeme. Burn me. Use me. You can't, you can't witness to a Jew about being on fire. You don't, whoa, 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 that's judgment. You're doggone right. God has judged me every day. I'm not standing at the great white throne judgment. I've been passed over. You know why? Because Passover says forever, I'm passed over. Because I've been passed over. Because the Holy Spirit judges me every day. And God says, I'm looking, I'm looking for my people. Ah, that's you. I'll pass over you. Same thing that happened in Egypt. It's happening now. God is passing you over. And guess what? Shavuot. You are Shavuot. You are full of God's presence. You've got the covenant. You've got the commandments. You, it's written on your heart. And guess what? He's going to atone you atone you, marry you, and live with you at the honeymoon because all of these feasts are forever except Yom Teruah. And Yom Teruah says, you are the trumpets of God. Would somebody stand up and say, I'm the shofar of God. Amen. Praise God. Amen. You are Yom Teruah. Praise God. The guy in the back in the green, he is Sukkot. Praise God. He's Sukkoting with God. He hasn't stopped smiling for the last hour. Everybody else has fallen asleep, but he's still smiling. <clears throat> Say this with me. Baruch Abba, B'shem, Yahweh. Okay, did everyone know what that means? 
Somebody say, that's you. May you start to see, because Messiah said, you will not see Messiah. You will not see. This is a mystery. You will not see Messiah until you say, Baruch Ababa Shem Adonai. Blessed are you that comes in the name of the Lord. And blessed are you, Tim, that comes in the name of the Lord. For then you will see Messiah. Wow. Wow. Messiah is pretty good looking. No, it's not Tim. It's the presence of God in Tim. When we begin to see the presence of God in each other, would you look at somebody and say, blessed are you. It comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God. May you start to see, amen, his kingdom. I see his kingdom in Tim. I see his kingdom in Tom. Pastor Nick is just full of his kingdom. And I don't mean that in a derogatory way. It's just the presence of God. We've, every day I want to do something. I want to go up to, to Bush Gardens or somewhere. But every day, no, I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't wait to get on the roller coaster. Every day I've been with Pastor Nick, and Pastor Nick does not stop talking about the Lord. Amen. 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 Praise God. Anyway, you need jet fuel. May the fuel that uh, that you may may you find the fuel that gives you praise God. Ten minutes gives you fire. I pray this. I pray, and I'm prophesying this. May you find the fuel that gets you. Committed to God, on fire for God. Say, say this. I am no longer just a believer, but I am his. Amen. I'm his doer. Say that out loud. Say that again. Say that so that your brain understands it. Praise God. He really lives in you. He really lives in you. God, this is, this is like pulling teeth. He does really live in you. Thank you. Thank you. Praise God. Say, the Lord is my life. My focus is the God of who is. Amen. I am being transformed. I am the breaker. Look at somebody and say, be blessed and walk as Messiah walked. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. I think we have a song. But while the song is playing, I think that's the last slide. And uh, we caught these guys off guard. They thought I was going to go for another couple hours. And so, but as the song plays, I'd like you to stand. And I'd like you to make some commitments to God. Now, you can do it on this giant altar up here. Or you can do it at your seat. But I want you to grab somebody. Because you're not going to do it by yourself. I want you to grab somebody. And make a commitment. We are supposed to come to the altar that God said he would place someday. And we know that Moses didn't know where that was at. And so they put it at Shiloh, the presence of God. For 430 years, we know that Ezra, not Ezra, but Eli and his sons lost the ark. And David went and got it one day. And he put the ark outside of his tent, and he called it the tent of David. We know that Solomon built a temple in Jerusalem. And he put the presence of God there. The Shekinah was there. First Kings 7, you can see the presence was so strong, the priest came to Solomon and said, we can't even go in. 
But God said, I'm going to build a temple not made by hands, and we're supposed to come to that temple and worship. So grab somebody and pray with them. Come up to the altar, do something, and ask God to fill both of you with that transforming spirit to let you know that you're the breaker, you're committed to God, and God's presence is going to be strong in your life. Pray for your children. Pray for each other. Pray for your wives. Pray for your husbands. Praise God. Here goes the song. So come on down. I want more of you, Lord. I want more of you. Praise God. God bless you. Bless your heart. Praise your name. You too. God bless you. You're a beautiful sight. I want more of you, God. Set a fire down in my soul. That I can't contain and I can't control. I want more of you, God. Set a fire down in my soul. Get this place on fire. I can't contain it. I can't control it. I'm living in the world, but I can't control the Spirit of God that lives in me. Praise your holy name. Praise God's anointing. Praise his presence. Husbands and wives, pray for each other. Lift each other up. Hold hands. In my soul that I can't contain. I want more of you, God. Praise your name. Praise God. Praise your name. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, can't control. Amen. Praise God. Spend some time with God. Spend more time with God. If you've got a bunch of Christian friends, Begin to tell them that you've got a, something down in your soul. I, I've got to be on fire. I, I can't contain it. I'm in love with Messiah. I believe Messiah is going to do a mighty work. And I, want to, I don't want to contain it. I want to just let God rule and reign today. 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 While it, it is still today, set a fire down in my soul. Lift up the Spirit of God. You're the breakers. That's why you're at this weird church. You're saying your law. You've been separate. You're God's holy, holy secrets of God. Set a fire down to my soul. Come on down. <laughs>